Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we talked to Murad Atesh of The Athletic about the Winnipeg Jets' little losing slide here. Is it time to get worried? Also, Daryl Fordyce of Valor FC tells us why he is retiring from pro soccer on the podcast. So let's get back to the Winnipeg Jets now. Yeah, they've lost two straight games. Eh, it happens. Second straight 4-1 loss last night. Looked a lot better than Tuesday's 4-1 loss at Montreal. Still, though, glaring mistakes. And uh, Murata Tesh is on the road covering the team with The Athletic and joins me now to talk about what happened. Uh, Murata, you, you wrote in The Athletic the Jets are approaching a tipping point. Pierre-Luc Dubois himself called it a, a slippery slope last night. Where do you think the Jets are at right now? Because in the standings, things are, are looking pretty good. Yeah, I'll start by clarifying what I don't mean by Winnipeg is at a tipping point. I don't mean that their playoff spot is in jeopardy. They're still up there tied with Dallas for first in the Central Division, first in the Western Conference. Uh, They still have all of these points in the bank and a really strong playoff case. All of that, that hasn't changed. But what's emerged in the last two weeks or so is a mix of games where you're seeing a distinct drop in Winnipeg's quality of play. And you could take that back to the 7-4 win against Vancouver. That's last Sunday already. That's seven games ago. But if you follow that stretch through, that awful loss in Detroit, that clumsy win in Buffalo, they played a great game in Pittsburgh, um, beat Arizona 2-1, and then this week's limping into Montreal, which is just a horrendous game, heading into last night against Toronto, Winnipeg was finding a lot of ways to shoot itself in its, in, in its collective feet. This, with a return to health from Blake Wheeler, from Nate Schmidt, from Cole Perfetti, from Nikolai Ehlers, but that return to health has not meant a return to form. And so why I think that they're at a tipping or inflection point of, of sorts is that against Toronto, the quality of the overall game was good. Winnipeg forechecked well. Forwards and defense were connected. There, was, there wasn't a lot of space for Toronto to work with, but they still found a way to lose. And that was by being second best in these really critical moments on Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's goal, goals. So for me, it's about whether the process improvements against Toronto are a tipping point and OK Winnipeg has found its game and the guys who've come back to health can really impact things overall. They play better. They start to win. Or this is the beginning of a really soul-searching period of time where they're finding even more and more creative and clever ways to lose games. And that's what I mean in terms of what this identity of this team down the stretch is going to be. I think they're at a bit of a tipping point. So there are caveats, of course. Their standings position is still good. It is January, of course, and every team goes through stretches where they're just not good. And that happens for even the best of teams. But I'm curious if you think there is any correlation at all between this dip in play and the return to health, because even if you go back to that first game where they all played, they got a couple five-on-three goals, which are just hard to rely on on a long-term basis. Do you think there's any validity to that, or is it just coincidence? I think that there is some validity to that, especially when you look at the combinations at the time that they came back to, to play. So you had Blake Wheeler playing with Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti, we can remember back in about early December, they were creating all kinds of scoring chances. And they were doing some really great things. Um, that hadn't necessarily been the case in those first few games. 
Um, I know that they've got a recent highlight reel goal with those many passes from Perfetti and Shifley to set up Wheeler, but it took them a while to get going in terms of creating chances, in terms of figuring out when to pass and when to shoot, when to get that puck to the net. Um, it was not a top caliber line for its first few games together. And I think that it was really Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois' line with Nikolai Ehlers certainly producing points. But I really thought that Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, up until about that Montreal game, was playing some of his finest hockey of the season and really driving Winnipeg's dominance. Um, and Winnipeg has six players in its top six who should be able to control different stretches of different games. And they need all of them together. Maybe that's why you saw Rick Bonus's line shuffle heading into Toronto um, and a little bit of an uptick in play. I think they're rounding into form now. I think they're close, but they've got to prove it, and they've got to be better than the other team's best players, which they were not against Toronto. So those players who got shuffled going into last night's game, you look at Blake Wheeler up with Connor Dubois, Morgan Barron, and Nikolai Ehlers with Mark Scheifele, and then Cole Perfetti with Adam Lowry. Did you like what you saw from the new lines last night, or do you think we'll see more tinkering tomorrow night? You know, I think that it's telling that Bonus didn't really pull out the blender throughout the game against Toronto. And I think that the reason for that is when you look at, you know, the scoring chances, you look from where Winnipeg got its shots, they actually did a really good job. And, you know, a 16-6 shot advantage in the first period, that was earned. And certainly going down early, uh, one nothing, eight seconds in, and, um, and then 2 nothing three minutes later, that's trouble. That changes the way a game gets played. Toronto can trap. It can collapse to the middle of the ice, all those sorts of things. But you look at the rest of that game, and you still have Pierre-Luc Dubois finding Kyle Connor from low to high, and there's chances in the slot. You have Mark Scheifele going cross-ice to Morgan Barron. Austin Matthews gets the shot block on a really good chance. The Jets created. They got, they got pucks to the net, and they fought for it. So credit to them for the effort and, and the dedication to that. Um, I think they did enough good things that it would be worth looking at that line combination again and just look at a guy like Kyle Connor with six shots to, to finish them and, and, and bury and, and, and give Winnipeg an earlier advantage than they got in Toronto. Billy Hanela, what do you think of his game last night? Last night, much better than, than three nights ago, for sure. Um, first period, great. You can go through the tape, look at his shifts. Um, multiple times he's standing up aggressively at the Jets blue line, shutting down Toronto's entry attempts. You love that. Um, Austin Matthews, second goal. Hanela was on scene, tried to block the pass, didn't get it done. So that's a, you know, that's an execution moment for him. But if we we're looking at just his Toronto resume, I think that that was a fine game and I don't think there'd be any concern. It's just that he had a tough night in Montreal. So I'm curious about the top six because like you, I'm on Twitter. I see what fans say, and fans are usually never happy, Even uh, especially after losses. Fans are not happy. Does this team need more in the top six? Just to say, is there a trade this team needs to make? I think that if you're looking to improve the Jets, and I think that the Jets are looking to improve the Jets, to be clear, I think they've recognized this is a bit of an all-in season. They don't know Pierre-Luc Dubois' future. Connor Hellebuck only has two years on his contract. Same with Mark Shifley. How long is Josh Morrissey going to be Josh Norrissey? You know, all of these things are going so well for Winnipeg. Even the rest of the Western Conference, Colorado hasn't been a juggernaut. So this is a go season for them, I think. And I think if you're looking to improve them, a top six forward with some playoff medal, with some two-way grit, you know, think of Blake Coleman going to the Lightning a couple years ago. That's a really nice one. Um, Somebody who can step into what I want to say, Cole Perfetti's job part-time. 
because Perfetti is going to be going and creating sometimes. I think the playoffs going to be a new battleground for him. That could be tough. And I think you want another player who you can trust to play in that top six when Perfetti needs less minutes and who you can also move to that third line in a real tough minutes matchup ready role. Um, you know, when Perfetti's going and scoring and all of that sort of stuff. So I don't know if that means home hometown boy Jonathan Taves, but I bet Winnipeg poked around there. That's the type of player, you know, ideally on the wing, I would suggest uh, that, that Winnipeg could really, really use. Well, Horvat's been a name that's been out there because of how things are going in Vancouver. Is that somebody that could fit in? And And, of course, the other question is you can talk all you want about who you want to get. The big question as well is what's it going to cost? Yeah, price matters and all of these things, you know. What's your wish list? Well, I would say Timo Meyer from San Jose, but that's an expensive acquisition at a point per game and an ex- expensive qualifying offer of $10 million this summer. So there's reasons why he's probably not the guy. Bo Horvat, like you mentioned, probably more attainable. And the issue, the issue there is, well, what do you give up for a player you may or not be able to re-sign? Um, you know, as a scorer, that's great. He can do a lot of things offensively. That's good. Um, where do you slot him in, all those sorts of things. I think Winnipeg will be interested, but I'm not as convinced that he's an ideal fit um, unless one of Winnipeg's centers is willing to move to wing, whether that's Shifley or, or Dubois up in that top six. Any other names out there that, or is it too early to say? We still have a month and a half. I mean, we have we have some time for sure. I'm just thinking of the uh, of the different combinations that you might look at, and and I really think that either... Um, either one of Winnipeg's top centers in Shifley or Dubois may find some time on the wing if, if there's a center involved. Like, let's say it turned out to be a Jonathan Taves or a Bo Horvat. It could be Adam Lowry sometimes coming into that top six to, to play some real shutdown capable minutes alongside Winnipeg scorers as well if, if a bench needs to be shortened. Um, I can't find exactly exactly the combination. Ideally, it's a it's a winger who can do a little bit of everything. But uh, if Winnipeg had another one of those, they they wouldn't need anybody. So, looking at the remainder of this road trip, Murat, three games left: Ottawa tomorrow, Flyers Sunday, and then Nashville on Tuesday. What are you looking to see from them over these last three games? Well, I sincerely believe if they play as well in terms of a puck, uh, in terms of a puck pressure in terms of defensive structure, by and large, as they did against Toronto, I think that they can win games. I think that's a reasonable standard. It's just those stretches of play where a superstar gets too much space or, you know, Mark Shifley gets beat at the blue line or there's a giveaway that turns into a transition goal against with Mitch Marner. Those are things that Winnipeg's got to get out of its game. And if Winnipeg can do the rest of the rest of its execution as well as it mostly did against Toronto, I think they'll be fine. So what I'm looking for from the Jets is is not to buckle, not to look at, oh gosh, we found another way to lose, and then they don't return to that same kind of form. Um, I think it's going to be a real mental test to get that execution back up. And just for you personally, you're out on the road. You get to cover games in Canada. How does that feel? I mean, it's the best, to be honest. I mean, all the rivalry talk we hear about with the Jets and, and the Maple Leafs, I think some of that is real, and um, to, to hear that in the building, to feel the, you know, the sound of the large true north call, um, you know, in Winnipeg, I, I get used to it. I don't feel any particular way about it. But to hear a true north chant that loud in, in Toronto, that's kind of cool. But the, just the number of people on the streets, in the building, these are big classic buildings in the NHL. It's, it's fun. It's, it's hockey fan stuff. And, you know, Saturday in Ottawa is going to be my first game covered here, too. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, I can tell you, I've been to that arena before to watch curling. It's not the best arena 
in the world. And there's a reason why they're looking to get a new one downtown. But I'm sure you'll have fun anyway, Marat. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for doing this. And uh, have yourself a great weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you again in a matter of time. Right on. Thanks, Christian. That is Murat Atash of The Athletic. You can follow him online. Uh, his Twitter account is WPG Murat, which is M-U-R-A-T. Or subscribe to The Athletic to read his work. Regular contributor here to CJOB. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll look at the All-Star game, the players that were added last night, including Connor Hellebuck, and some numbers about the All-Star game and those who are going next. News came out today that Valor FC veteran midfielder Daryl Fordyce is retiring from pro football after almost 20 years in the professional ranks. And Daryl joins us now on the CJOB Sports Show. Uh, Daryl, how does it feel to be retired? Uh, it, it feels good, actually. After 20 years, you know, it was, uh, it was a good go, I gave it. Uh, but after 20 years... You know, with a, a four-year-old son, um, and I, I just feel that the team needs to bring in younger, fresher bodies to help team uh, help make the team, you know, make the playoffs essentially. Um, and I think it's a right move for sure for myself. When did the seed get planted for you, thinking about stepping away? Um, I was actually thinking of. You know, I was actually thinking of this time last year stepping away. Um, and then I spoke with the head coach, Phil DeSantos, and um, the plans that he had in place. And and I'm like, okay, let's give it another year uh, for sure. And and I gave it another year last year. Um, but yeah, it, it, I was thinking about it for, I guess, a few years now. Um, I just wasn't sure when. Uh, but yeah, it's whenever you you play a game and the next day you're really, really sore um, and just trying to go to the park with a kid, you know, the next day if you're, if you're off, that was a task and all this year for sure and I weighed things up and I'm like, okay, the, the team needs a little more, you know, fresh young blood coming into the team and um, just even my personal life, I'm like, okay, if it if it's tough, even just bringing the child to the park on a day off, the day after a game, you know, maybe now is the right time, and and that was the decision that I, I came with. When the news came out, and now everybody knows, was there any kind of emotional release for you? Um, not really, <laughs> to be honest. Of you know, I've had the last few months to, you know, to look over um, my own career and, and things like that. But uh, as I told our players, you know, that, that was my final year. Um, you know, I played my last game and I sort of knew that was my last game that I'll, that I'll play. And, you know, I actually broke down in tears, to be honest, um, in the changing room as well, in the locker room. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, just to see 20 odd years and you're like, okay, that's it. Um, but it, today I've, I've literally just get in there now. I was at the rack room with my wife and kid playing the games 
Um, I haven't even looked much at my phone. I've looked at um, a couple of messages that I had, and I actually flicked onto Twitter there, and there's like a lot of notifications. Uh, but yeah, I, I've told my teammates and some of my family, and that's about it. You know, I've got I've got close friends back home sending me messages, and they were surprised. Um, you know, but uh, that's just the way it is. It's just the way, the way I am. So for you now, going into your post-playing career, what's the plan? Um, the plan is to stick around Winnipeg, you know, and help out the club in whatever way I can. Uh, my family are settled here, and, you know, I've, I've got a lot of experience uh, of playing, for sure. Um, I com- completed uh, European UEFA coaching badges, uh, 2020 I completed the A license um, so I, I completed them to have them so I can go into some sort of coaching role once I retire um, you know and again whatever way I can help the, the club that'll be that'll be um, exciting for sure um, and then obviously I'll just go from there what do you like most about living in Winnipeg? That's a good question because I'm not going to say the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Although the weather's been actually the weather's been great the past yeah. few the past few weeks. Um, no, it's just a way of life. Uh, anywhere in Canada, for sure. There's a great lifestyle in Canada. Uh, we've got a lot of friends in Winnipeg now. We uh, actually love going to the Forks. Um, I think the Forks down there is an incredible place to go to and a lot of good restaurants. Um, and again, we like to go up to the beaches in the summer. People don't really know or believe me whenever I say, no, there's actually beaches north of Winnipeg. And uh, People that are not from here don't really believe me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I'm just a, a normal guy. You can put me in any part of the world and I'll just get on with it. Um and now I, my son will go to kindergarten in September time. And we look forward for him to starting school in Winnipeg. So, yeah, that's the summers are great. I love I love hot weather. We always get hot weather here. Um, and the winter last year wasn't very good, but this year has been excellent. Uh, people here would uh, agree with the assessment that the winter here has been a little more generous this yeah. year for sure. Uh, do you know how to skate? No, my wife actually asked me. She wants to go on a on a date night tomorrow, and she she asked, "Hey, let's go down to the forks and we'll go skating." I'm like, I don't know how to skate, and I would need someone to actually show me. So, if you're willing to take out some time and show me how to skate, I'm open to that, Christian. <laughs> we'll see if we can fit it in then you can teach me how to kick a ball because I, I, I know growing up I was not very good at soccer so we can, might be able to find some time to trade skills here uh, but for you looking at, at uh, your future here with Fowler you're going to stick around in, in player development are you still going to be uh, like a, a part of the day to day process of making sure this team can compete for a CPL title yeah well that's down to whatever way the club wants to, to utilize me um, you know, that would be obviously down to, to Phil, 
um, at the end of the day because he's the boss. He makes the decisions. Um, and he's the one that's the most qualified within the club. Uh, yeah, so as I'm saying, at the minute, I'm actually helping out with the, the younger players in the morning times. Um, we have a program that's on tomorrow morning also. Uh, there's like a four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds in the morning. So like any way I can help for sure. And uh, that's a that's a thing. Player development is, regardless of what age you are, you're still developing. Um, and I was still developing last year, right until I retired. Uh, so that's the beauty of the game, that as a player, you're always developing in one area or another. Um, so that's that's the beauty about it. And I really look forward to helping uh, all the players, whatever age that I'm there to help, then I will give it my best. How do you feel physically right now and that you're not training anymore? I'm actually fine. To be honest, uh, that's what's kept me playing for so long. I've just been, I got lucky, I guess, with my my natural fitness. Um, Ever since I was a kid, it must be just running in my family that I've I've always been naturally fit. Um, And I still go to the gym. I still work out and go for runs. Obviously, chasing the the kid around the house as well and playing with him helps keep fit. Um, But yeah, I've I've, uh, I've been very lucky in terms of staying naturally fit. Uh, So that's been a that's what's kept me going. I think until this age. Do you ever get back to Northern Ireland? The plan was to actually hopefully get back this year, Um, but we we've had to renew our permanent resident cards this year. Um, and my wife still hasn't came yet so we've been in Winnipeg uh, all winter um, our plan was to go this year but you know we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely do our best to get back next year and hopefully get in a vacation to the Caribbean or something like that in between well we wish you the best of luck in everything you're doing Daryl thanks for always coming on the show and talking with us here and uh, again enjoy the rest of the winter and maybe we'll see if you can get into a pair of skates Awesome. You've got a deal if you want to learn how to kick a ball. I'm sure open for you teaching me how to skate. <laughs> Take care, Daryl. Cheers and all the best. That is Daryl Fordyce, captain of Valor FC, who is stepping away from professional soccer and will be joining the team in a, in a player development role as we wish him all the best. Turned 36 earlier this month, but staying here in Winnipeg with his wife and son, Luca. We'll take a break when we come back. I'll tell you about an odd trade in Major League Baseball today as the Twins take one of their best players and say sayonara.